1 Corinthians 15, 35. But some man will say, How are the dead raised up, and with what body do they come? Thy fool, that which thou sowest is not quickened, except it die. And that which thou sowest, thou sowest not that body that shall be, but bare grain. It may change of wheat or of some other grain. But God giveth it a body as it hath pleased him, and to every seed his own body. All flesh is not the same flesh, but there is one kind of flesh of men, another flesh of beasts, another of fishes, another of birds. There are also celestial bodies and bodies terrestrial. But the glory of the celestial is one, and the glory of the terrestrial is another. There's one glory of the sun, another glory of the moon, another glory of the stars. For one star differs from another star in glory. So also is the resurrection of the dead. It is sown in corruption, it is raised in incorruption. It is sown in dishonor, it is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness, it is raised in power. It is sown a natural body, it is raised a spiritual body. There is a natural body and there is a spiritual body. So it is written, the first man Adam was made a living soul, the last Adam was made a quickening spirit. Howbeit that was not first which is spiritual, but that which is natural, and afterward that which is spiritual. First man is of the earth earthy, the second man is the Lord from heaven. As is the earthy, such are they also that are earthy, and as is the heavenly, such are they also that are heavenly. And as we are born the image of the earthy, we shall also bear the image of the heavenly. Now this I say, brethren, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. Neither doth corruption inherit incorruption. Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trump, the trumpet shall sound, and the dead shall be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. For this corruptible must put on incorruption, and this mortal must put on immortality. So when this corruptible shall have put on incorruption, and this mortal shall have put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass a saying that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is thy sting? O grave, where is thy victory? Sting of death is sin, and the strength of sin is the law, but thanks be to God which giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be ye steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, for as much as you know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Let us pray. Father, we thank you for the Word of God. We thank you for another privilege to preach. And Lord, I need your help. I pray for strength and power and wisdom, Lord, that I may rightly divide the Word of truth. Help me, God, to be a blessing, to be a help to your people today. Meet the need of every heart in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, when a child of God dies, uh, their soul and spirit goes to be with the Lord. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians 5, 8, willing rather to be absent from the body and to be present with the Lord. Ecclesiastes 12, 7, then shall the dust return to the earth as it was, and the spirit shall return unto God who gave it. There is life beyond the grave, literal, uh, conscious life, as illustrated in Luke 16 by the rich man and Lazarus. 
After my mother passed away, I began to search the scripture with a new desire to understand what really happens after death. I'm not going to speak to that specifically today, but let me just say a couple of things about it. I believe that the soul and spirit has the form of the body, has all the senses of the body, and uh, this is certainly illustrated again in Luke 16. The rich man can see, he can talk, he can hear, he can feel the fire, yet they buried his body. And uh, Lazarus likewise is very conscious. So it is a very real life beyond the grave. Second Corinthians 12, the apostle Paul said he was called up into the third heaven into paradise. He was stoned at Lystra, this is when that happened, and taken to heaven and comes back and writes about it. Well, there is life, I believe, that goes on. Because of that, I have a different view of death than I used to have. For the child of God, the sting has been removed. I remember reading a story by Dr. Dehan. He said he was walking out in the orchard with his two sons, and, uh, and there was a honeybee stung one of his sons. When a honeybee stings you, it leaves a stinger in you, and therefore it cannot sting anymore. And said it tried to sting his second son, but all it could do was buzz. That's what death, that's what Jesus Christ has done. The, the strength of sin is the law, and that, uh, that sin, the wages of sin is death, and he stung Jesus to death but it can't sting us. It can't hurt us. Thank God for that. Well, I want to talk to us about uh, the resurrected body, not the intermediate state that, uh, that we experience we go to be the Lord, but the resurrection body of the believer. And the Lord, this question was raised, how are the dead raised up, and with what body do they come? Now, this was a matter of great controversy in Jesus' time and the apostles' time. There were two main groups, religious groups, the Sadducees and the Pharisees. Pharisees believed in angels and believed in the resurrection, and the Sadducees did not believe in either one. Someone said that's why they were sad, you see, <laughs> because they did not believe in the resurrection. But uh, this was a matter of great controversy, and Paul, uh, by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, uh, writes to address this. And uh, he uses an illustration from botany. Verse 37, he talks about the grain. And he said, That which thou sowest, thou sowest not that body that shall be, but bare grain. It may change of wheat or of some other grain, but God giveth it a body as he hath pleased him, and every seed his own body. Now you take the, the seed and you plant it in the ground. You don't get that seed but you get something that, that has all the properties of that seed. You take some corn. I remember when I was growing up, uh, we used to save the seed. Corn seed and, and bean seeds and, and all that. And that little corn, will, corn seed will swivel up, kind of like we, we're swiveling up, you know. And, uh, uh, but when you plant that one grain of corn, you get a, another grain of corn, that looks like uh, the corn that used to before it swiveled up. And you get a, a new uh, ear of corn or maybe two ears of corn from that one seed and it has a similar appearance. Well, it dies 
And out of that death comes forth life. Comes forth life. He's used an illustration from nature to teach a great spiritual truth of the resurrection of, of the body. And he said it will, be, it will be raised from the dead. Now our glorified body will be similar in appearance to the body that we now have. Uh, it'll be improved, thank God uh, for that. It will certainly be improved. Uh, but um, there the Lord gives, uh, has made the distinction. Uh, the, and, and that barrier cannot be crossed between the seeds, between the animals, uh, that there's different kinds of flesh of animals and also. Uh, so you have the beans, you have the corn, you have tomatoes, you have all these various little seeds. In fact, some of you didn't know that tomatoes come from seeds, did you? You thought they come from plants. <laughs> Uh, but uh, they, those plants that you buy at the store, someone had to sow some seeds to get those plants to grow. But uh, the Lord, the Lord uh, created this in the beginning and uh, to teach us this great truth of the resurrection. That's why I believe in the resurrection. As I mentioned last week, we see it in creation. And then he uses example from zoology. And he used his example of animals in verse 39. All flesh is not the same flesh. One kind of flesh of men, another flesh of beasts, another of fishes, another of birds. If there was no other verse in the Bible to disprove evolution, that'll do it. God said that man has a different kind of flesh than animals. There's one kind of flesh of, of men, another, another flesh of beasts. You cannot cross men and beasts. It is impossible. And then there's another fishes, another birds. I went fishing the first time this year, a little bit yesterday morning, and I caught a bunch, caught three. That was, uh, that was a lot for me. <laughs> I'm not a very good fisherman. Went trout fishing, and I caught my supper. Uh, and, and I fried those things and made Dolphless mess. <laughs> Ever was. <laughs> And I told my wife today, I said, I said it, it, it isn't worth the trouble. <laughs> she said, now you know how I feel. <laughs> but, uh, uh, but anyway, there, there's another flesh of fish, another birds. Fish have to have water. And you take them out of the water, they have a problem. They won't live very long, especially trout. They, they won't live very long at all out of water. Uh, but... Uh, you can't put the fish in a tree. Uh, some, some, I don't know where you've seen these things or not. Some lady down, down where Sandy lives there uh, brought her a, a, uh, a fish. It's a fish in a bowl, and, and it has a plant down, stuck down in, in, the, in the bowl. It's kind of a unique thing. They, you know, there's a plant with the roots growing in the water, and there's the fish swimming around. It's kind of unusual uh, thing, but it's that, the thing that's going these days. So, uh, but anyway, the, there's a different, different kind of flesh of, of birds, and God created that uniqueness and that uh, that distinction. Uh, so uh, we will have a distinctive difference when we get a glorified body. Now, there's strange doctrine that's promoted by some that everybody is going to be a 33-year-old male and everybody's going to look exactly alike. 
you know, it's, it amazes me how some people come up with the things they come up with. And I think it's stretching First uh, John. You say, well, the Bible says in First John, it doth not yet appear what we shall be, but we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. And that is true. We will be like Christ. But here, you've got to take the scriptures together. You can't isolate that from this scripture. And this scripture here very clearly teaches, I think, distinctiveness in, in the glorified body. We're not all going to look exactly alike. Aren't you glad that you're not going to all have to look like me? <laughs> and likewise. <laughs> but uh, uh, God... Uh, Someone said the Lord must have a sense of humor. He made the monkey and the baboon and some of you. But <laughs> anyway, we, uh, we're going to be different. We'll have that distinctive quality. Uh, and he brings that out here. And then he talks about the, the illustration from astronomy. There are celestial bodies and bodies terrestrial. The glory of the celestial is one. The glory of the terrestrial is another. Terrestrial, of course, is earth. I guess you knew that. And the celestial is heavenly. Uh, there's one glory of the sun, another glory of the moon, another glory of the stars. One star differs from another star in glory. So again, that distinctiveness, the sun has a purpose. Why does the sun burn and burn and burn and never burn up? People say, I don't believe in a hell that lasts forever. It'd burn up after a while. Well, how do you explain the sun? The sun burns and burns and burns and burns and don't burn up. And... Uh, uh, the moon only reflects the light of the sun. It has the purpose. And the stars all have a purpose and, and, and a need. God created them. And so, therefore, we have an earthly body that is suited for this earth environment. God created man for this earth. If you read the account in Genesis, when he created air, he created land, he created water, he created animals, he created plants, he created everything, and then he created man after he created all that. Now, if he'd created man first, man would have had a real problem. No air to breathe, no water to drink, no food to eat. Man could not have survived. So God created every, and, and the idea of that evolution, that all that happened in the perfect order that it was supposed to happen is ridiculous. You know, you think about the human body and the complexity of the human body and and, uh, you know, I was down there at uh, Baptist Hospital in Winston-Salem, and, and the, the, the thing is huge, and you think of all the, all the study and all the people, and, and just to study the body. <laughs> and yet they're very limited in understanding it even yet. God created everything. And it created in the perfect order. And it created man to live on this earth. Now, one day, we're going to leave this earth and go to be with the Lord in a glorified body. We're caught up in the air to meet him. And we'll go to his house for seven years. Then we'll come back uh, to this earth to live for a thousand years. Then we'll go into the new Jerusalem. Now, we're going to have to have a body. When they send that shuttle out in our space, they have to have a special suit. You know, when they get outside that shuttle anyway, uh, they're to do certain things. And so we will have to have a body that will be suited for that environment. And God's going to provide us one. 
a body like his body. When Jesus Christ arose from the dead, he arose with a glorified body. A body that could go through a door without opening it. A body that when his work was done, ascended back to the Father without a spacecraft, without a space suit, without anything, could go back and forth to heaven in that body. That's the kind of body we'll have, the Bible says. We'll have a body like his. Now, let's move on. What kind of body will this be? It will be incorruptible. He says here in uh, verse 42, so also is the resurrection of the dead. It is sown in corruption. It is raised in incorruption. Verse 53 said this corruptible must put on incorruption. And, and this mortal shall must put on immortality. It must, it's, it must happen. Now mortal means those that are alive. We're mortal, all of us. That's why we get sick. That's why we get old. That's why we die. We're mortal. And we're corruptible. And, uh, but one day, the Lord's coming. Someone said, well, everybody is going to die. It's not what the Bible says. I show you, mister, we shall not all sleep or we're not all going to die. Someone says we, they'll die instantly. It didn't say that. Be careful how you interpret Hebrews 9, 27. And as is appointed unto men once to die, and after this the judgment. Or but after this the judgment. Uh, you say everybody has to die. Well... Behold, I show you mystery. We shall not all sleep. Here's a bunch that don't die. If Jesus Christ come right in the next second, we wouldn't die, would we? We'd go to be the Lord instantaneous. And so, uh, you know, in Revelation 11, there are those who say the two witnesses is Moses, or, or rather is, uh, uh, is Elijah and Enoch, because they didn't die, and the Bible said everybody has to die, so they got to come back and die. The only problem when you get to 1 Corinthians 15, you got a bunch here that don't die. And so I think it's Moses Elijah, but that's beside the point. If you disagree, that's fine. We'll agree to disagree. But uh, anyway, we, he says we'll have an incorruptible body. And the, the, those that are dead, that have, that have entered corruption, and uh, the blood is what keeps us alive. It brings new life to your body and carries away the deadness, all the, all the dead cells. And when that blood stops, then the life-giving properties stop to that part of that body, and that body will enter corruption and decay and deteriorate. But the Bible said this corruption will put on incorruption. We're going to get a body that will not corrupt. I read one time where they investigated the tomb, the garden tomb, Joseph of Arimathea, and they said no dead body could possibly have been in there because there was no evidence of corruption. Well, the Bible said his body didn't see corruption. You know when they put the body, isn't that strange? You put, your body, you put your body in the grave for three days and your body will corrupt. But they put the body of Jesus in the tomb for three days and his body saw no corruption. That's why they didn't find any evidence of death. Because <laughs> he's the resurrection and the truth. He's the resurrection and the life. 
And the Bible says in Romans 8, 21, because the creature itself shall be delivered from the bondage of corruption to the glorious liberty of the children of God. We're, we're, we're corrupt, we're mortal, we're, we're headed to corruption. It's already set in, been, been there from the time we was born. And so uh, one day we're going to get a new body. There'll be no wrinkled faces. There'll be no gray heads. <laughs> There'll be no bad eyes or bad ears or whatever. We're going to get a brand new body one day. The Bible says, And God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes. There shall be no more death, neither sorrow nor cry, neither shall there be any more pain, for the former things are passed away. Revelation 21, 4. Isaiah 35, 5 and 6, Then shall the lame man leap as an heart, and the tongue of the dumb sing. Then the eyes of the blind shall be opened, and the ears of the deaf shall be unstopped. Isn't that going to be something? We're going to get a new body. Glorified body. Those that are confined to wheelchairs can get up and walk. I was talking about that in Sunday school this morning. I want to tell you, Jesus Christ can cause the lame to walk and one day he's going to do it for everybody that's saved. He's going to give them a brand new body, going to open the blinded eyes and unstop the deaf ears. It's going to be something. And so we're going to have an incorruptible body. Then the Bible teaches that we'll have a glorified body. Verse 43, it is sown in dishonor. It is raised in glory. A glorified body. You know, we spend a lot of time on these bodies, don't we? Uh, and uh, put the, you know, ladies, ladies especially, I guess, are more sensitive for, about their appearance than men are. Ain't much you can do for us fellows. We just, their hair turns gray, it turns loose. Mine's turning loose and gray. And, uh, but the ladies, you know, they, they put, uh, spend a lot of effort in how they look on their appearance. And, and I never could understand why, why ladies, some ladies will pull their eyebrows out and then paint new ones on. That don't make any sense to me at all. But, <laughs> uh, but anyway... Uh, all the effort we try to make ourselves, uh, what we're doing is trying to erase the effects of the curse, aren't we? Trying to get away from that curse that sin brought to us and trying to, trying to get, get that off, off of us. Well, uh, we, we spent a lot, of, a lot of effort on that. I had my hunting clothes on yesterday and, and uh, I looked different. When I don't, you know, when I don't spend some time, <laughs> and uh, uh, but uh, anyway, we we spent all these this effort, and one day, won't it be great, ladies, when you won't have to worry about this, and men too. <laughs> I mean, you don't have to worry about all all this fixing up and trying to trying to spend all this time painting up and whatever. Well, uh, there he said it'll be a glorified body. Philippians 3, verse 20 and 21, for our conversation is in heaven, from whence also we look for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall change our vile body, that it may be fashioned like unto his glorious body. Now again, not exactly uh, like in the sense everybody looks exactly the same, but in the likeness of his glorious body. He'll change our vile body. 
may be fashioned like unto his glorious body. That's, that's what I'm looking forward to. And the older I get, the more I appreciate it. And these old, everything, someone said, you can tell you're getting old when uh, everything that doesn't hurt doesn't work. And you find new aches and pains, uh, uh, you know, you wonder why. And I've got a toe now that's hurting some. And I, I thought, great day, you know, what's wrong with that toe? I, I've, I, what do people talk about the gout? Is that, is that when your toe hurts? I don't know. I've never had that. But I guess I'm getting old enough to experience some of that. But uh, that's, that's part of getting old, I guess. And uh, these people that are older than I am, they say, it's going to get worse. <laughs> I appreciate all the words of encouragement. <laughs> but I'll tell you, we're going to get a new body. Thank God these old vile bodies, these old vile bodies are going to be replaced with new bodies. Amen. A glorified body. And I'm going to be really good looking. And so will you. Everybody's going to be good looking there. Well, we're all affected by the effects of sin. First John 3, 2, Beloved, now are we the sons of God. It doth not yet appear what we shall be, but we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. Daniel 12, 3, And they that be wise shall shine as the brightness of the firmament. They that turn many to righteousness as the stars forever and ever. What a day that's going to be, a glorified body, an incorruptible body, a glorified body. Let me move on. Not only that, but we're going to have a powerful body. He says in verse 43, it is sown in weakness, it is raised in power. As I was thinking of this message, I thought about Samson. We talked about him on Wednesday night, a couple of Wednesday nights ago. You know where Samson's power came from? It came from the Spirit of God. It did not came from, come from his ability, his, his strength, but it came from that anointing of God, that power of God. And that's the thing that's going to give us a powerful body. We'll have a body more powerful than Samson's. Won't that be something? You know, you, these people take steroids, and I know they've had, they use some kind of a steroid pill for Sandy, you know, to try to, uh, help with the effects of the chemotherapy. But some people, you know, they, uh, they, they take these steroids to try to build muscle and become strong and, and powerful. Uh, well, we don't need any steroids there. <laughs> Samson could carry the gates of a city off. And he carried it to the top of a hill, probably a mile away. They bound him and listen, when, uh, we're not talking about a door like back there at the back. We're talking about a wall city and huge gates weighing hundreds of pounds, no doubt. He gets the whole business up and throws it on his back and goes off with it. Well, we'll have a, we'll have a powerful body. Some of you remember when you had more strength than you do now, don't you? Someone said, I have the mind of a teenager or I have the mind of a young man. But my body says no. And you remember your strength. It's not as, not as great as it used to be. Uh, we'll have a powerful body. One that will not be weakened and filled with pain and suffering. 
I talked to Sandy and she said her she was real weak. She almost blacked out yesterday in the bathroom because of the medicine, the effects of the chemotherapy. It's amazing what that stuff can do to you. Well, these bodies, they have to be replenished with food and water and sleep. Over there, you won't have to sleep. You won't have to eat for energy. You can eat. You will be able to eat. The Bible said there's, there's the tree of life with 12 manner of fruits has a crop every month. Any of you that know me know that I love fruit. And uh, Lynn made me some fruit. And boy, I really enjoyed that, Lynn. That was a blessing. Uh, but uh, uh, I don't like pineapple. <laughs> Yes, some, some people kid me about the pineapple. Oh, that pineapple's going to be right there on the tree of life. Pineapples grow on the ground. <laughs> but anyway, if it's there, he'll, I'll, I'm sure with a glorified body, I'll like it. <laughs> we'll be able to eat, but we won't have to eat for survival. And... Uh, uh, the Bible says in Revelation 7, 16, they shall hunger no more, neither thirst anymore. Think of that. You know, we're blessed in America. We probably don't know what real hunger is. Sometime on TV, you see those little babies, little kids with their tummies swelled out. They say a great percentage of the world's population goes to bed hungry. We don't know how blessed of God we are. I first went to the mission field in Mexico on a mission trip and I saw the poverty and I, it was like a, a, another world that I'd entered. This three or four year ago when I went to Grenada, it's the same way, like, like a different world. And we went out to a village one night to preach and the people, the house where we was having the service when I talk about a house, I'm talking about a round stick and mud, thatched roof house, dirt floor. And uh, they were so poor that they didn't have enough food for us and them. So they stood around the wall and wanted to, of course, if you didn't eat it, it offended them. And watched us eat. They gave up their meals so we could eat. We don't know what poverty is. I came back to America. I thank God that I lived in America. But you can go to the supermarket and get what you want. How blessed of God we are. And uh, the Bible says they'll hunger no more, neither thirst anymore. Isn't it wonderful, to, though, to... Uh, Take the good news to people like that and say, thank God there's a land where there's plenty. There's a country where nobody's ever hungry. Nobody's ever thirsty. There's always plenty to eat. Thank God for heaven. We'll have a powerful body. It's sown in weakness. It's wrecked by disease. But it's raised in power. That's what's going to happen one day. We're going to get a powerful body. And I've been with people 
as they left this world and they left it in weakness. But thank God we're going to be raised in power. Luke 20, verse 35 and 36, But they that shall be accounted worthy to obtain that world and the resurrection from the dead, neither marry nor are given in marriage, neither can they die anymore. Thank God for their equal unto the angels. And are the children of God being the children of the resurrection. And then finally we're going to have a spiritual body. The Bible said, verse 44, it is sown a natural body. It is raised a spiritual body. There is a natural body and there is a spiritual body. Now there's a misunderstanding about spirit. The Bible says God is a spirit. And people think because of that, he, is, he can't be touched, he can't be felt, he can't be seen. He is non-material. That is not what that means. In fact, if you read in the Bible, we did a study on that. It talks about God's hands, God's feet, God as a material person. God is not immaterial, neither will we be. Spiritual does not mean immortal. It means immortal substance, not immaterial, intangible. It means immortal. God is a spirit. But in the Old Testament, the Lord appeared to people and it was a visible appearance, someone that they could literally see. And Jesus Christ said, handle me and see, for a spirit hath not flesh and bones as you see me have. We will have a spiritual body, but it will be a material spiritual body. And I think if you study the scripture, you don't have time to go into all the details of that, you'll find it. Uh, Adam, of course, is our natural father. Jesus is our spiritual father. The natural body is empowered by blood. We talked about that. The life of the flesh is in the blood, Leviticus 17, 11. The spiritual body will be powered by the Spirit of God. When Jesus Christ rose from the dead, he rose without his blood. Or the blood was not flowing through his body. He did not say he had blood. The Bible said flesh and blood here cannot inherit the kingdom of God. But he didn't say flesh and bones. Flesh and blood. Because of that, some say, well, it was not a literal bodily resurrection, but it was. And uh, so uh, you say, why was, why was his blood not in his body? Because it was taken to heaven as payment for our sin. Hebrews 9, 12, neither by the blood of goats and calves, but by his own blood. He entered in once into the holy place, having obtained eternal redemption for us. Jesus Christ went back to heaven between the time he appeared to Mary Magdalene and the time he appeared to the women, he went back to heaven, took his blood, and said, Father, here's the price. And thank God one day, as a 10-year-old boy, I knelt and asked Jesus Christ to forgive me and save me. And on the basis of that blood and the heavenly tabernacle, Jesus says, I'll forgive him. I ought to put him in hell but I'll forgive him because of that blood. Our glorified body will be empowered by the Spirit of God, and it will be a spiritual body. Uh, there's a natural body and there's a spiritual body, he says. Well, uh, he talks about this uh, 
uh, this resurrection here and we're not all going to sleep in the moment of the twinkling of an eye at the last trump. Let me say a word about this trump. The first trump was sounded. There were three trumpets sounded in the battle cry. The first trump was sounded and says, strike tents and prepare to depart. And uh, get, get the tents taken down. Get your gear together. It's ready to go. We're moving out. They sounded the second trumpet, which meant fall into line. You that's been in the military understand those things. Fall into line. Third trumpet sounded. March away. The Bible says we'll be changed in the twinkling of an eye at the last trump. When that trump of God blows, the Bible said the dead shall be raised incorruptible. And uh, the Bible says in Thessalonians there, the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, the voice of the archangel and the trump of God. I know you've always heard when Gabriel blows the trumpet. It does not say Gabriel's going to blow the trumpet. The Bible said to be the voice of the archangel and the trump of God. And the voice of the archangel the only archangel that's named in the Bible. If you, if you think it's my, uh, Gabriel, that's fine. I won't, I won't argue with you about it. But the only, ar- the only archangel that is named in the Bible is not Gabriel, but Michael. It's more likely, and again, that's another message. It's more likely to be Michael uh, than, than Gabriel, but whichever one suits me, you know. This gay, you say, we, when it happens, you say, preacher, it's Gabriel, I told you. <laughs> I say, great. Important thing, I'm getting out of here, thank God. I'm getting a new body. I don't care who shouts, who, who's the voice. And uh, we're going to march away, the trump of God, and the dead's going to be raised incorruptible. I've, I've said many times I'd like to be something standing by a graveyard maybe. I know it's going to happen so quickly. <laughs> but uh, I remember years ago, a few years ago now, I was up at the cemetery where my mom's buried. And nearby is my sister. And I was standing there thinking about uh, how it used to be and used to go to mom's house and family get together there then he used to go to my sister's house and and it was kind of a cloudy day and I was standing there contemplating some things thinking about the resurrection what a wonderful thing it'd be Jesus come (laughs) man and seemed like the Lord just rolled some of the clouds away and let the sun shine through I'll tell you, I thought I was going to be raptured. I'm glad God's real, aren't you? God can be real to you just out there by yourself. Some of the greatest experiences I've ever had is just me and the Lord. Get along with God. Oh, that was a great experience. I'll never forget that. I thought, man, over 20 years since I've seen my mom, I'd sure like to see her. One of these days real soon, (laughs) I'm going to get to see her and my sister too. Many of the other dear saints of God.
This old corruption is going to put on incorruption. And we'll shed these old bodies with all the aches and the diseases and the pains and all the afflictions. We'll lay it aside. We'll shed it and get a glorified body. And uh, the Bible says death will be swallowed up in victory. <laughs> the Bible says they can't die anymore. He that is born once will die twice. He that is born twice will die once. Unless you get to go on the rapture and you won't die at all. <laughs> but death is swallowed up in victory. Oh, death, where is thy sting? Someone said those that are living, those that are saved and living get changed will say, oh, death, where is thy sting? Death, you thought you had me. <laughs> you thought you was going to get me. I was talking to a fellow who met me in the store this week, talking about Sandy. He said, well... Maybe the rapture take place. I said, man, that'd be great. You thought you had me. You thought you was going to get me. But the Lord came. And I cheated death. I got to go without dying. Then those that get out of the grave, they'll look back to an open grave and say, oh, grave, where is thy victory? You thought you had me. You had me for 10 years. You had me for 100 years. You had me for 1,000 years. You thought you had me. Jesus overcome you. O grave, where is thy victory? Thanks be to God which giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, because of all this, be steadfast, unmovable, always abound in the work of the Lord for as much as you know your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Thank God I'm not wasting my time. I think of all these years I've spent trying to serve the Lord. And sometimes you get so discouraged and you wonder if you're doing anything. You wonder why you ought to even go on, why even try. But God says you just keep at it. You're not wasting your time. It's not in vain in the Lord. That's why I'm going to be here tonight, God willing, Wednesday night. Heard Brother Sexton say this morning, somehow, I don't know why I hadn't thought about it. But he brought up something I hadn't even thought about. He said, why do, why do you go to church on a Wednesday? He said, that's the day Jesus died on the cross. That's true. We commemorate his death on Wednesday. We commemorate his resurrection on Sunday. That's why you ought to be in church Wednesday night. If you can, not working sick, you ought to be here. Our labor is not in vain in the Lord. I believe what I do today will affect me 10,000 years from now. God bless you. Let's bow our heads, please.